0: Well, this is the thing is, I was reluctant to buy Rolling Stones tickets because I heard about Charlie Watts going to the hospital. You know, Ooh. so now I feel like a dick. Well, but- he was one of the reasons why
1: I wanted to go to the show. what was the reason they called him the Human Metronome. Wait, what you? Wait, what you say yesterday? Oh God, what was it? It was. uh Oh, you said have a drink, listen to small EPs. That's kind of. No, then you said, well, at least you have a chance to be a Rolling Stone now. That's right. So, I said you have a chance to be in the Rolling Stones now, don't you? Like, so I heard they need a drummer. Yeah,
0: so. well, needed one for so. a while because he, he got hospitalized back in like right after his birth date Right, his birthday yeah, was but now. Like, like they really ago.
1: need one now. There's, it's not like it's not like he's just gonna show up one day. Yeah, now they Permanent one. Yeah. So like now there's better job security. <laughs> That's so sad.
0: Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business. We're going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. Okay, everybody, and welcome back to Drunkenomics. This is the drinking podcast with an economics problem, or should I say the drinking presentation with an economics problem. I, this week, would like to welcome us all back, and if it's your first time here, then welcome for your f- the first time ever. But I'd like to welcome us all back as the more gracious host, because Vicks. the VIX is below 18. As a matter of fact, if I had to be more precise, it's at 16.79. So this week, I am your more gracious host. My name is Aaron Wong, joined alongside me, my favorite beer drinking buddy. James Goldwater.
1: Although I'm drinking uh, Victor's Finest Sour Mash today,
0: so, Oh, you know, nice. Because- Something must have happened for you to really treat yourself that kind of way. Yeah,
1: I think um, I'm excited about this episode. Nice. And kind
0: I've of had a relatively good weekend. Oh, nice. I thought it was maybe like a, you know, in memorandum of Charlie Watts, so I'm going to really treat myself just to remember how fragile life is. No, for that, yeah. I'll,
1: I'll do a, uh, I'll have a nice <laughs> scotch maybe after.
0: Yeah, me too. Anyways, let's get the show going. Rest in peace, Charlie Watts, the journal for the Rolling Stones. I don't know if you're a Rolling Stones fan. I personally am a huge fan. I'm currently wearing a Rolling Stones shirt. I decided to give him a quick shout out because I really like the guy. Uh, anyways, moving into our economics problem, oh, I guess. To, oh, let's do social. That's right. Um, if you guys want to join this conversation, whatever questions you guys want us to answer on the show whatever topics you guys feel like we should talk about and discuss and have a drink over uh feel free to find us on social media it is at drunkenomical d-r-u-n-k-u-n-o-m-i-c-a-l that's us on instagram
1: facebook and twitter twitter yeah and in all those places uh, from, you can find mm-hmm. the access code to the discord where yep. you can join with the other econoholics to discuss economics drinking mm-hmm. life in general oh, send yeah. out some fun memes have a good time it's the easiest place to interact with us. We interact, we try to interact there every day. It doesn't always work. It's usually Aaron. <laughs> and I'll be honest, it seems like the listeners prefer that. Well, I don't know about that. That may or may not be You're true. You're a lot
0: smart aleckier than I am. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of good interaction this yeah, week. fantastic interaction. Yeah, I mean, Todd, super jealous about you seeing KISS. Since the pandemic has ended, um, I can't really one-up and, you there. And,
1: and restarted. Yeah, so a lot <laughs> has happened in the
0: last month and a half. The pandemic has ended and then restarted with the Delta variant. We'll get into more of that later. Uh, Todd, I'm not trying
1: to one-up you, but I got tickets to see the Sons of the Pilots. So. And you got Yingling? And I got Yingling. I'll be honest. Down I'm looking here, at Texas. Todd's new bar table and his hedge clipper and his wee beastie, which I actually don't mind that for a five year oh, and, his, yeah. and his weather app that tells him he's supposed to drink it. All I can think is, Todd, what's that weather app? I need to know. <laughs> Clearly I'm using the wrong one. Yeah. Same here. Uh, the
0: weather app telling me to drink Ardbeg. Yeah. I'm all about it. The smokier, the better. So it's Bowmore for me. If you're, if we're playing the Isla game. Yeah. I'm a Brooke Ladie guy or a Kilcomen. I love kilkoman too, mm. but uh, anyways, if you guys want to pull up a seat at the bar stool at the Drunkenomics Tavern slash pub, look no further than the Discord channel. And maybe one day we'll, act, we'll actually have like a real tavern. You can actually pull up a seat at the bar. The Econaholic. Yeah, have James make you a rusty nail and actually congregate and ratonize. have the conversation
1: in person. Yeah, exactly.
0: But anyways, there's that. I guess without further ado, let's just dive right into what has been happening. I, to be honest with you, I haven't seen very much like actual economic news. I just know Jackson Hole, Jacksonville, Jackson Hole.
1: Jackson Hole or Jacksonville? Okay, so the meeting, Tim Tebow get cut? So the Jacksonville meeting has happened and Timmy Tebow was cut, oh. and the Jackson Hole meeting oh. is going to happen. This I don't know if they're gonna lay out a roadmap, but I think they're gonna top taper.
0: Well, so
1: I've seen both arguments, and it's
0: one, they're gonna taper, because there's just, I mean, inflation doesn't seem like it's gonna be transitory. But then the other thing I've also seen too is, well, I mean, the, the Delta variant has kind of killed everyone's fall plans. So if there were actual plans for tapering this fall, well, the Delta variant has also killed those plans, just like your travel plans this fall. So well, you know, just saying.
1: Like, I, I definitely understand that, and and it's going to be a weird meeting because they're going to have to figure out how do they get the economy under control when yeah. certain sectors are absolutely unaffected and other sectors are being devastated. Because the problem is they've used a tool historically. The tool they've used, mm-hmm. they work for the whole. Well, they don't work as well as it turns out historically. We thought they did, but it wor- it, it works when. The the whole economy is doing poorly or in the whole when you know, yeah. it's everywhere. But when they're trying to target things, it, it's not effective. It's not particularly effective or their tools are not fa- as effective as we'd hoped. Yeah, well, I think they have to taper like a, because we're looking at, huge, like you know, asset prices being where they are. Yeah, but it's, not, but it's not just highs.
0: asset prices. I mean, you know, you want to throw in real estate too. Real estate prices are insanely high, but mm-hmm. look everywhere else. I mean, labor is insanely expensive. Rent is insanely expensive. Commodities have yeah. were really expensive, and they've come down and now a little they've bit. Kind of dropped, and it and they
1: may rise again. But we'll it's still see. yeah. But it's still more expensive than what it was prior to the. I, pandemic. I'm just saying that the historically the method that the Fed and that the Treasury have used well to try and fix economic issues don't target as acutely the problem right. they have bo- they have broad spectrum solutions mm-hmm. but they need to be targeted and so it's like who 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 if we're really looking needs the most help right now i would argue it's small businesses it's I, not I say so too. you know it's small yeah. businesses and then consumers so it's people and the small businesses it's not big business it's yeah, not well, the banks they're fine yeah but you know when there's bottlenecks in the supply chain generally speaking they don't
0: really affect companies like you know, like the Kroger's and the General Mills of this world because they're big enough and they buy in big enough bulk where, you know, if there are bottlenecks, bar- yeah. yeah, it affects them. Things do become more expensive, but they really just pass it on to the consumers. Absolutely. You know, it's, generally speaking, it's, it's a small business that, are affected the most by those bottlenecks in the supply chain because the last ones i mean yeah, they're they're the like, last
1: guy they're the last guy to the trough they yeah,
0: they get what's exactly. left exactly what's that It's like the last dog to the bull i mean you know like you've seen money yeah. ball sometimes the last dog to the
1: bull. he dies. so it's a small business they're the last one the last yeah, one and so on top of that so between bottlenecks allocations business mm-hmm. orders and economy of scale yep. everything right now in it's in a time of shortage Small businesses get hurt. Yep. I guess historically, like there was a good ten-year point. Like there was a good ten-year run there between like what 2004 and like 2014, where it was a foregone conclusion that the Pats were going to be at the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And why? Well, well run, yeah. they're bigger, they're better, and yeah. they have yeah. you know the, you know it's harder. Or the Yankees, the Red Sox, or the Dodgers are yeah, going to be. More and sense and then sense of, Oakland shows baseball. up in baseball, and you're like, yeah. what? So, mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, I mean that's something I just wanted to breeze over real quick. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with Jackson Hole. I I'm I'm with you. Uh, I think they're going to taper or at least announce some sort of schedule for tapering, whether it's going to be next month or in November or m- maybe
1: maybe. In February. Yeah, I think it'll probably I think they'll want to see September's numbers. I guess numbers? they'll start. I think they'll want to see through September. Oh, no. I yeah, think they'll right. want August okay. and September numbers. And I think then they'll make their decision in October and we'll see tapering in November. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense.
0: Also, I just want to say this real quick. Um, the US budget deficit narrowed by two and a half trillion dollars in the first month of this year. And I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that the economy is coming back. And I just saw this article on CNBC. Yeah, I oh, saw no, that the sorry, deficit was down. Journal, I was cited. So it was narrowed by two and a half trillion dollars. Granted, there's still that budget recon that we talked about last week. That's gonna go, That got passed this week. Yeah. And the infrastructure bill. So you know, still unclear as to how the whole debt thing is gonna ha- is gonna work out. Uh, I did see that there was a seven year bond auction that happened today as well. Uh-huh. But had, with the with the whole debt ceiling, I don't know. All that stuff seems way above my head. Do you, I don't know if you have any insight on that?
1: Um, they said, I mean, I see the auction was twice as oversubscribed. Was mm-hmm. twice oversubscribed, so two times as many people as they needed. That were trying to but buy. But they have
0: increased yield. Oh, they did. What?
1: I did not see that. Ah, oh, good catch. So they're reissuing old bonds. Oh my so, god! So um, it's reissued seven-year T-bonds t with a remaining life of six years and eight months. How do they do that? I, I'm not quite sure how that works. I mean, I don't know. So if they, you know, but they but... so these bonds were issued. These were seven-year bonds issued four months ago. When oh. you issue, you can remember. So the government holds on to the government holds on to a lot it's of a these. Lot of nearly money. what 33 percent of it. Generally speaking, I mean. I mean, let's be um, honest,
0: like, no one's rushing to the bond auction trying to buy these bonds. So Well, actually, they were with, this time well, around. T- today, they so, won't, so, But I'm saying the four so months w- ago when they were initially issued, I mean... There's no return there. Yeah. So,
1: so the, you know, you're absolutely right. So, f- so four months ago, these bonds, when they were initially, so, right? So, we have primary market, secondary market, guys. Yeah. Primary market is when the creator of whatever this is, whatever, whether it's debt, security, whatever it is, when the initial creator is selling it for the first time mm-hmm. to a buyer. Yeah. That's the primary market. Yeah. Apple so selling the creator Apple is stock. Selling it. Apple right, selling that's, Apple stock. Apple selling yeah. Apple debt. That's Apple, the primary the bonds, market.
0: preferred shares. So, whatever, if you right. are
1: buying securities, If you're buying anything and you are not buying it on its initial release Mm -hmm. from the creator, you are buying in the secondary market. You are buying from someone else, even if you're buying from Apple. So if Apple bought back shares its treasury and it's selling its treasury stock now, you're still in the secondary market. Technically, So my guess is with these bonds... These bonds auctioned, they, on the primary market, they were consumed by government buyers. So the federal government consumed these, acquired these at auction or at an initial sale. And so now what's happening is the Fed or the Treasury is looking for a little more capital. And so they've taken historically issued bonds they held and they are reissuing them these now four years later and they're issuing them into a market that is desperate four months later so they have six years and eight months left on a seven-year bond and it seems given that they're nearly twice oversubscribed that there's a very strong hunger out there for these kind of debt instruments yeah
0: which i I don't know that kind of that kind of makes me wonder i didn't see how the bond market performed today but i mean it had to have driven yields down That's my guess. Um. Oh no, it went up. Well, they've also so okay. So the other
1: thing is, when they reissued these, they changed their coupon. That's right. They did. Okay, that makes sense too. Then, so they would. It looks like they went to. I think I saw three point seven five percent. Wow. Okay, that's actually not bad
0: for a bond. Yeah. So
1: I mean, at a time when if you look at if you look at what let's put this way, the overnight rate is basically zero right now. Three point two five percent is pretty attractive.
0: Yeah, it is, and you know it outpaces inflation on a seven year timeline. So I I don't know. Like I don't know how much the bond actually costs. Like yeah, I'm not. I'm not seeing. Yeah, Uh, that's just something I I wanted to breeze over as well. Um, because I really want to talk about the forex market. And once again, before I do, uh, I just want to just mention real quick. NFT craze is back. I don't get it. Oh. I'm sorry to disappoint you. You can chug your whiskey now and refill, and then rekill. In the,
1: <laughs> all right. So, fair warning: the story I'm about to tell is not an analogy. It is real. It's a real this thing. is actually a thing. So, in keeping with the with the guys who play the game, where every time James uses an analogy, you have a drink. You don't. This is you can, not. You can. Say I'm, I'm so sorry for what's about to happen, but you can hold your horses on this one. Oh my god. Wow, that was terrible. It really was. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> was an Aaron saw my face as I was building up to that and he was just like, <laughs> What are you doing? That wasn't funny uh, at all, bro. I don't get it. But anyways, go ahead. It's, Tell it's, your story. It's NFT horse racing. Yeah. I wish it was no. I wish I was kidding. I wish I was making an analogy, but you I'm are not. Kidding. there are people out there who apparently there is an NFT you not do kidding. NFT horse racing. You can also breed horses for like you can breed two of your you can race breed horses digital together. Horses. Create digital yeah. NFT horses. That you can then sell and uh, uh-huh. there are people who are buying it. And now like, it, I, I was reading about it just because I saw it and I thought, this is the stupidest thing I've ever Whoa. seen. And that, well, then Aaron got me with one with, with uh, real NFT real estate. Which and I'm that like, makes no sense to me as well. Like, how am yeah. I physically going to
0: take ownership of this piece of land? Like, can you farm on digital real estate and actually take the food that you farmed and make bourbon with it? Yeah, on I'm, the I'm, NFT market, you can. I don't get it but like you know i want to drink actual bourbon you know so if i have a corn field i want to make corn and then use it to you know create a mash bill and then make some bourbon and then at the end of the day drink the bourbon but i don't know I if might i can wait do that a digitally. okay yeah at the end of the very long day but i mean i don't know if i could do that digitally
1: i absolutely could not and would not it, unless if at some point i'm not actually able to consume something I'm out. I'm not do. I won't do it. Yeah. For me, the only thing this NFT craze does is it leads me to understand why utilities are such, are going up. Yeah. But anyways, I just want to talk about that. NFT craze is apparently back.
0: Uh, digital pictures and stuff of rocks are getting sold for a hundred thousand dollars i don't know how if you know how it's working and you no. know how to teach, and if you
1: can teach me how to like create those nfts i mean oh, please because yeah. i'd I, be absolutely you know, willing to create and you know, sell these things but i don't i could never in good conscience buy them yeah and it just doesn't make sense
0: i, I could never in good conscience sell them but if i need to finance my drinking habits i and, could absolutely absolutely
1: no problem selling something to a willing buyer at the current fair market price fair
0: enough yeah but, you know, and, and you know, I need to finance my drinking and gambling and smoking habits, cigars, that is. Well, I was
1: going to say, now that Yingling's in Texas. Yeah, I mean, this ain't going to pay for itself. <sighs> Unless it so, is, Yingling. Yeah, yang. yeah. <laughs> seriously, Yingling.
0: <laughs> but also, Anti craze is back. Uh, meme stocks today popped. GameStop and AMC saw
1: ridiculous volumes. I, so, to me, I look at, like, these meme stocks and, uh-huh. okay, I don't know if you guys know this, but. College football season technically starts this weekend. It does. It starts exactly this weekend. I mean, you don't have to say technically. A lot of people, well, <laughs> the good teams don't play till next weekend. Oh, so
0: okay. All I'm going to say okay. is
1: people like to gamble on okay. sports because it's a lot more fun. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of money leaving the market to maybe I go mean,
0: into Vegas. If you look at DraftKings and Penn, right? So two sports gambling companies, mm-hmm. if you look at their stock prices in the last couple, I was going to say last couple of weeks, but let's just say last month. I mean, they've been on a tear, so I think people are just trying to hedge their bets one way or another going into football season, whether it's loading up on shares of DraftKings and Penn, or actually gambling on who's going to win Rookie of the Year for this coming NFL season, or who's going to win the Heisman Trophy, but... That's not financial advice. I don't give financial advice. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't buy the stock. I'm having a beer right now. So just something I want to observe and help you also notice is that DraftKings and Penn have been on a tear recently. Which
1: which I think makes perfect sense going into... Going football into the football. Season.
0: Yeah, but granted, they might come out with earnings this December. That's not to say that they'll come out with earnings in December and maybe it'll be a huge disappointment, right? I don't know. If they could, they might not. Maybe it's maybe it'll go on a tear after that, right? I don't know. So just I'm not saying you should should or shouldn't buy it. This is something I just wanted you to be aware of, and then you can make your own educated decision from there. But yeah, anyways, enough about uh, horse racing and sports gambling. Let's uh <laughs> let's let's really go into um, this topic that is the foreign exchange markets. this was something that was mentioned in our discord. Someone what was his name? We never asked quite a while ago. yeah, sorry for getting back to you so late, but here we
1: are uh we're we're gonna talk about the forex markets, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a funny thing because a lot of people will look at, like, you turn on uh, Fox Business, you turn on CNBC, you turn on Bloomberg, whatever it is you watch, Mm -hmm. and you look at it at some point, you'll see, like, it's going to flash through probably once every 20 to 30 minutes, and you'll see, it'll show you the exchange rate between the U.S. dollar or whatever your local currency is, and, well, it's almost always something versus the U.S. dollar, something versus the British pound, something versus the euro. Uh, and then sometimes some combination mm-hmm. of those things against each other. So you can get an idea and you see, yeah. oh, the, the pound yeah. is down. The Japanese price. yen versus the euro. Oh, oh whoa, yeah. That's, you know, down for the day or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And then people sit here and they go, oh, because we don't want to talk about currency trading because that's no. a whole different ballgame. Yeah. I mean, and there's so much things about margin and leverage when it comes
0: to forex trading. I mean, I don't know that much yeah. about it, but I mean, I know there are certain margin requirements that can let you control you know, I mean, the hundreds and thousands of dollars of buying power in another currency with just like $5,000 on the table. I mean, that's, that's a thing that you can do when you leverage, which is insanely risky, but also insanely rewarding, as you know, and when it comes to finance, risk, reward, the more of one means the more of the other,
1: potentially. Potentially, so. yeah. The greater the risk, the greater the potential reward, yeah. but also the greater the potential loss. Damage, yeah. Right? So it's so, the the entire premise yeah. of being the designated hitter versus the designated home run hitter. Yeah. you know that affects your batting <laughs> exactly. average a lot more.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but and your on base percentage. So oh yeah. So before we get more into that, um, I need to grab a glass
1: and some ice and some whiskey. I'll be right back. So while Aaron's gone, can we all just agree that you want to talk to him in the Discord? I get it. Like I'm I'm a smartass, but He's a hell of a lot more fun I totally understand I'm not saying you're wrong for thinking this but can we get some feedback on that you know what I'm gonna start a poll let's see if I'm right or wrong on that one okay I'm back <laughs> what nothing you're gonna you're gonna love what you're editing
0: oh gosh <laughs> I don't even want to know I'm
1: still upset yeah, about do. the broken
0: glass oh wait are from you using last week's episode
1: guys he's using a plastic cup he he's once bitten twice shy <laughs>
0: I'm kidding guys <laughs> he's well, not dude, he's using a glass another glass yeah I mean, I'm not gonna drink awesome scotch out of classic cup but i'll I will do it this. but that's what?
1: because i've been outside
0: before oh yeah that's true or b- by a pool but yeah uh anyways what were we talking about forex you're talking
1: about the beginning uh, we we're talking about the economic 4X. basis for foreign exchange yep. so one of my favorite things people will be like why do foreign ex- or we 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 talked about how they why? float? and Why you see them floating? Hmm. And we took, a lot of people just go like, yeah, why? Why, why do foreign hmm. exchanges yeah. happen? What is what's with foreign uh-huh. exchange? It's a really simple thing, and yeah. I actually love it because because we we do have some episode notes. They're not always great, but we have them. Yes. But my favorite is uh, is Aaron talked about it. at one point? He goes, "Why?" He's like, "Why? Why does foreign exchange exist?" And it boiled down to well, because it turns out that. Irish uh, whiskey manufacturers can't spend US dollars in Ireland. Wait, they But they, they can't? want to, no, Whoa. but they do want to sell. Yeah, they want to sell Irish whiskey to Americans. Yeah, Isn't I want to weird? sell my product to Americans, but I can't spend their currency in my nation. Yeah, and I'll say so, this
0: Americans, aka myself, really, really, really want to buy Irish whiskey. It's pretty much inelastic is, that, in my that's book. That's true. That's <laughs> so, correct. That's essentially more or less why they exist, right? Ultimately, what you have to think about when it comes to Forex markets in the grand macroeconomic sense of the word Forex markets is supply and demand, it's like anything else. It's literally just like anything else. Supply of one thing means that that thing will devalue in relationship to everything else. Think about it in the dollar versus gold. There's more gold, if they find more gold and they can pull it out and refine it really, really quickly, the price of gold is gonna go down because there's just more of it out there. And uh, on the other side, the dollar is gonna go up in relationship, Yeah, its value and how much you can buy uh, in terms of weight in
1: gold. So. Yeah, so now that we know why it happens, essentially, because the why is really the easiest part. Mm-hmm. I want to buy a good that's made in another that's made by another place. Mm-hmm. At some point, that good has to go from the other place to me. And an exchange of two currencies has to happen. At mm-hmm. some point, the person I'm buying this product from for dollars has to pay a yep. person who's going, well, that's all well and good. Yep. But I need euros. I need the pound. Yeah. I need something else to pay my employees yeah
0: and i will say this at the end of the episode i'm gonna ask you a grand question i hope you're ready for it but Uh that's just a way to entice everybody to stay till the end of the episode but uh anyways what it boils down to is a classic example especially from like my good old days in my international economics classes international finance classes was the relationship of like let's say the u.s the example I put in my notes is the U.S. dollar versus the Canadian dollar. Is that something we did a lot of when I was? In, yeah, it's um, it's a
1: it's a pretty common.
0: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's not this right now, but let's just say for simplicity's sake, one U.S. dollar can get you one Canadian dollar. Right. Let's just say that's the way it is. Yeah. So how does it move from. You know one us dollar can get you two canadian dollars well i mean like i said earlier it's just pure supply and demand
1: yeah, right? it all has so, to do with the appreciation of yeah. one currency versus the other right so we can see appreciation in the value of one i.e there's a reason that this yeah. value is going up or we might see depreciation of the other currency right so it might be that it's January, and it's very cold in Canada. Well, it's cold in parts of the U.S. too, but has the U.S. done anything to make its money more valuable? Absolutely not, except for the fact that there are parts of Florida that are still warm, and there are some Canadians that are going, you know what, let's go on vacation. Yeah. And so they need some currency so the in the U.S., so they're willing to pony up a lot more yeah. of their Canadian dollars to buy U.S. dollars, at which point someone in the U.S. is going, they're offering how much? Yeah, so if a million Canadians decide that they're willing to
0: pay, you know, a dollar and 10 cents for every dollar. Well, then there you go. That depreciates the Canadian dollar because what happens, Canadians are supplying more Canadian dollars, boom, supply goes up, and they're demanding more American dollars. So demand for the U.S. dollar goes up. And then those two things, once you graph it out, it pushes demand for U.S. dollar up, pushes the supply for the Canadian dollar up. That really, really pushes down. The price, Your equilibrium price. equilibrium gets moved down on the scale. So that's basically the simplest way of putting it. Like yeah. in terms of supply and demand, like who's demanding the US dollar and who's supplying the US dollar, right? People that are demanding the US yeah. dollar are whatever other country that you're looking at the forex market with. Visiting so, or going to or doing business with. Yeah, yeah, or doing business. Yeah. Those guys are demanding. They're supplying the demand. And who's supplying the supply? Well, of course, Americans are. So that's essentially like the most basic premise. But it's the very basic premise. Yeah. And
1: it gets more complicated. Yeah. So but let's talk about so let's talk about the size of
0: forex markets oh, it's
1: absolutely huge it's the biggest market there is absolutely because because remember like think about we, we talk about transactions within a country well Transactions within a country, that's great. You know, if you're buying a product made in the US, you don't have to worry about this. But if you're buying a product that was made, shipped anything by a, by a foreign country or in a foreign nation, or has to go through a foreign nation, at some point you have to convert some of what you're spending in dollars to whatever those yep. foreign currencies are to make good on yeah. it. Yeah. Whether and it's so the Forex or, market or what's yeah. the, uh, what is it, the, I'm, I'm seeing in our notes that the Forex market has a trading volume of roughly $6.6 billion, or trillion, trillion dollars T. per day. Yes.
0: So think about the size of the company, Apple, three times that it gets exchanged hands mm-hmm. every single day in the forex market. Just going back and forth.
1: And then because yes. we look at New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, and the Tokyo Stock Exchange. The three biggest markets so in the world. Yeah. Have a trading I mean, volume of 300 billion a day, yeah. roughly. Combined. So we're looking yeah. now at something that's, I mean, I mean, I mean, really, if we look at this, it's just 22, yeah. times, 22 the times the size. Almost 22 times the
0: size. Of the three biggest stock exchanges in the world, and granted, you know it's six point six trillion. So that's business
1: between Australia and Japan, China and Japan. Yeah, that's biz- China that's, and ev- Russia, that's, that's not right just right that's not just U.S. You know, dollars. That's the value in U.S. dollars, but that's for business every, between every single currency US, that's changing hands yeah, on a given day. All of Europe. Mexico, South
0: America, everything, yeah. which makes sense. I mean, it makes sense as to why it's so big and it makes and it makes sense as to why it should be this much bigger. It should be 22 times bigger than the stock exchanges of the world. Uh, we need a lot of liquidity in those markets, but, you know, I think it begs the question is as to why the forex markets are so large and to simplify, you know, a hundred years ago. There was no forex. I mean, there was, but, I mean, it wasn't that
1: big. Yeah, I a mean, hundred years ago, well, a hundred years ago, you it. also had empires. So you had currencies that really spanned a lot of the globe. Yeah. So, you know, that's one way to kind of avoid how you how you deal with yeah. it. The other thing is that there was a a lot less, there's just a lot less trade. There was a hell of, I mean, it's all going to come down to the one big word, the G word. Yes, the globalization
0: word. And the reason why this word is a thing, I mean, the reason why this... Globalization those are big factors because a hundred years ago, you know, try outsourcing your labor to China. I mean, good luck. Yeah, no, There's you couldn't like, do it. You couldn't do it. Try, try buying a Mercedes Benz in the U.S. You, you can't do it. No, because they're it's not. Possible. They don't
1: have factories in the U.S. and they're not. And, and, and they weren't shipping cars to the U.S. really. So you'd have to yeah. you'd have to go to Germany, buy the car yourself, then bring it to and have your and then ship oh, yeah. it at your own expense to the U.S. Yeah, and so then, if it you had a, a Mercedes
0: a, Benz back in the 1920s and 30s, I mean, it's like you're probably like Humphrey Bogart or something like that. I don't know.
1: Well, I was gonna say, and by the mid 30s, you were probably gonna. Uh, well, by the late 30s and early 40s, you were definitely gonna get that car egged. Probably yeah. not egged, but someone was gonna do something bad to your car. Yeah, exactly. You probably would have uh, recycled it. Pier- morgan part of the war effort exactly i
0: mean honestly like even getting like an italian bottle of wine was insanely hard to come by yeah in the
1: u.s you would have there would have been extremely wealthy people doing it in the uk you would have had it it would have occurred well more with france but you would not have been able to go to the local grocery store bottle shop or bottle that's for our Mm -hmm. boy tim yeah and find just foreign wine sitting there yeah it wouldn't have been there thanks to the world getting so much smaller which i think is you know that could be
0: summarized with just one word, which is that G word you're talking about: globalization. Yeah, cheap manufacturing in China.
1: Well, not why is it cheap? It's always funny because there's. Uh, I often go back and forth between cheap and inexpensive, but in this case, I think cheap is right. No,
0: exactly. So it's it. You know it's not high quality engineering like you would find correct. in switzerland or whatever like that right but it's cheap manufacturing in china um, so a lot of iphones a lot of sure. nike for those of you i guess kind of wondering
1: what do i mean what how do i dif- differ mm-hmm. between yeah. cheap and inexpensive cheap is inexpensive but also low quality inexpensive is i did not pay very much money but i give it yeah, a decent exactly. quality rating like so like, like mccann's irish whiskey very inexpensive it's inexpensive very
0: good whiskey correct right? uh, wild turkey quite inexpensive deal but then you get things like
1: uh, Barton's, which happens to fit the bill for both inexpensive Oof. and cheap. Yeah. Not so it's, it's cheap because cheap company. is already inexpensive. It's yeah. also just low quality. Right. So. Exactly.
0: But yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, back then hundred years ago, Brooks Brothers, I think was around back hundred years ago. Like they weren't making their suits in China. They were making their suits and sweatshops in the U S and then eventually the world got smaller, moving things around, got a lot easier and a lot faster. Oh yeah. So because of that, they were able to globalize, and companies like Nike were able to build sweatshops and uh, factories and all that kind of stuff in China. Additionally, think about how easy it is to get a bottle of really nice scotch, like such as the one that I'm drinking right now, which is has the same name as me, It's called Aaron, but it's spelled
1: differently, A-R-A. Which again, which again is I, I know I made this joke last week, but it means that someone here is pronouncing their name yes. wrong. Yes, but, <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, I mean. Like the UK produces the best liquor in the world, in my opinion, you know, there was a time where it was really tough to come buy a bottle of really nice scotch in the U S but the world has gotten so much smaller. Shipping has gotten so much easier. And because of that, it's like, it's really easy for me to get this bottle of whiskey. But what happens in the supply chain for me to be able to to buy this awesome bottle of whiskey for just 40 bucks? Well, You know, I pay 40 bucks to Total Wine or whatever liquor store I get it from. Total Wine pays some distributor a bunch of money to deliver the bottle to Total Wine. And that distributor at one point had to exchange their U.S. dollars for the British pound or whatever it was to buy bottles of orange scotch and ship it over to the U.S., and because of that kind of globalization because it's so because that supply chain is so fast now i mean it's, that's why the forex
1: markets are so big yeah well it used to be so the great thing was it used to be is and there's actually it's it, there's a book that i think it's very very funny to Oof. see it because it's actually referenced it but in the count of monte cristo nice I, yeah i i i, great movie. I, I just remembered I but read there's the book a point the where movie. you see the Count and some other people, they talk about lines of credit or drafts of credit. Oh, yeah. That's historically how you would have done foreign exchange business. Banks actually historically made all their money in foreign exchange business. So the Medici's, who are the wealthiest people in the, yep. in the Renaissance world, their bank made all of its money or almost all of its money off of the foreign exchange business. Aren't the Medici's like the wealthiest family of all time? Even they, wealthier than the Rothschilds? I have seen some arguments that would have suggested that they were. Fiction adjusted? yeah. Uh, It's a lot harder, though, because it's... They go inflation adjusted into like into U.S. dollars, and, and which, so it's what's weird. And the reason it's so difficult to do that is because the U.S. dollar didn't exist at the time, Yeah. right? So, it, so how do you pay that right with all the silver? Yeah, I think they, they. I own. think they. The way they the argument that I've seen that says that that's true is that they because the pound did exist. They had a link between the um florin, the florin, and so the Florentine florin, and then the British pound, yeah. and then they did the British pound to the dollar, and so it's it's converted through multiple currencies, but Oof. which makes it a little suspicious. But yes, they are. They are. Clearly the wealthiest yeah. family in the history I th- I think over, over
0: multiple generations. I think they are. And speaking of currencies and all that kind of stuff, the age old question that I had was, why don't they just have one currency for the entire globe? And why doesn't everyone just use one unit of exchange?
1: Well, for me, actually, there's if you ask the, the crypto guys, they would argue that oh, they're going to. Sorry, that's my dig. Um, as a well, whole, actually, we, we that's did that's see. That's, that's dating back to our what is money episode. Yeah. Well, they claim they're going to do it. Yeah. For me, though, the kind of the biggest block we've seen try to... There's two times in history we've seen um, currency yep. consolidate in a meaningful way. Or the attempt for that to happen. Oh, no, okay. it, it happened both times, well, I I, I know, but I'm just saying uh, the outcome today... Yeah, obviously didn't work. Well, no, I mean, actually it has to an extent and we're starting to see, I think, I think we might, I mean, at this point, we're at a point where you're right. I'm not going to, I don't think we're going to see it happen anytime soon. Uh Um, But the first one is when you started to see the, so it's happened two times in the United States and once in Europe and in the United States, the first one was when the 13 colonies agreed to become one nation, All right? So the United States was born and you ended up with the United States dollar. And then after the civil war, you saw it a second time when they consolidated U.S. currency again. And I don't mean they got rid of the Confederate dollar. That that's actually has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I, don't I was act, say, First it was, off, the Confederacy was never a foreign nation. They were rebellious states. Yeah, but and it didn't last very long. They did not, so. but... What yeah. happened then is, so at that point, there were banks that were issuing their own currency, their own script. And that was made, that was made illegal. So the United States essentially, since for the last 160, 150, 160 years, has had only the single U.S. dollar currency. So that was the first one. It was consolidated. And then as the U.S. expanded and you get to the point where it's 50 states and then overseas yeah. dependencies and territories, that's a huge block yeah, and globalization, of yeah. one currency. Mm-hmm. And so I count that as the first two times it happened, essentially, because you saw... A union that agreed to a single currency, and then a second union that said banks don't have the right to create their own. Yeah, but what about the Bretton Woods agreements? Like, if you fast forward a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So, the Bretton Woods agreements was actually this idea that we were going to peg all currencies to a single physical item. So, gold. gold in yeah. that case, gold it was standard. agreed that That's there would the be, standard, yeah. every currency would have a value in gold. And so, each currency would, so there was essentially a, they were pegged to a, Physical thing. I thought they were all pegged to the US dollar, and the US dollar was pegged to gold, so it went to- Well, that, but that means at the same time that you can sit here and say, yeah. yeah, and so that's exactly what it was. The idea was that you could trade everything in US dollars as opposed to in gold because it's a lot easier to ship gold- uh, I'm sorry, US dollars than gold right. in terms of value, right? So if I have to move it from place to place, it's easier to put the gold all in one spot right? and, and this then move the dollar and then use the currency around Yeah, and it. this was a time
0: in which, like, the pound, you could literally go to a bank- yeah and say here's a
1: pound give me one pound of sterling yeah i need a pound like, sterling and then or you know or the US dollar a, it would say this is ten dollars worth of gold and i think it was 35 dollars an ounce or something yes that's what
0: it was yeah so and so you, could say, so you could show up with give me point three a, a of third gold. of an ounce yeah. roughly and at one point that's what it was And I Mm -hmm. thought so. I thought it was the U.S. dollar was thirty-five dollars per ounce of gold, and then they pegged everything to that. I don't know. I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, but at that point, Um, when the dollar and the gold price are fixed, so you have a fixed currency like that. Essentially, yeah, everything is everything else is fixed to gold gold too. It's just it's doesn't matter which one you fix to. If A equals B, then we're fixed to. uh, Which sounds really simple, and and it it was until um, until the U.S. uh, debt exceeded the U.S. gold. And, well, and nixon went well you know what free well, float no, now no. well that actually so, that really disrupted well, i think forex markets it's
0: happening now too whereas like there was a time in which i mean this is like when i was when i was alive right where if you invested in gold you actually got a brick of gold or you got however much you know hundred dollars worth of gold here's a here's a gold coin that's a hundred dollars worth of gold mm-hmm. now if you buy a hundred dollars worth of gold it's here is a certificate that entitles you to a hundred dollars worth of gold. And guess what? <laughs> There's more of these certificates.
1: There are actually gold out there. So well, they definitely, let's put it this way. You don't, unless you are flat out buying gold from a place. Yeah. You're not, you have the right to claim gold. Well, like, you're okay.
0: You're buying a dollar for a dollar
1: in my opinion. So yeah, that's, that's what it's, you're it's, doing. It's, it's, when you're, when you're buying, you're, you're, gold buying now. A, you're buying a piece of paper. Yeah. You're, you're spending a fiat currency for a receipt saying that you own gold.
0: Yeah. But anyways, what, so what happened after Bretton Woods was, like, the reason why, who was it, Nixon? Nixon. was like, okay, you know what, screw this, we're going back to the gold standard, was because a lot of things were going on. Well,
1: gold standard was after the Second World War, wasn't I, Nixon? I, I know, that was... but I'm
0: just saying the reason why he got off the gold standard was because… Oh, yeah, I
1: thought you were saying he got onto it. No, no, no like, nope, yeah, sorry. No, no,
0: no, that's, the Bretton Woods is way before, I mean, that was, yeah, I mean, after everybody was nation building… It's like you know what, gosh! Th- all these countries are so close to each other; they do so much business with each other. It'd be nice to just have one currency. I think that's how the euro was
1: established. They got rid that's of the that's how foreign. the euro started exactly. So that's what that's actually for me. That's number two. Oh, one, gotcha. Second time we saw kind of a global currency was the birth was the euro. Yeah, so this idea or that the EU or was it? We, did the EU? The, yeah, was, were they established at the time too, or was that? It, it started. So the the premise of the, the EU. ECB? Yeah, yeah. So those things all kind of started around the same time. Okay. The euro came later. So the euro conversion. Oh, I didn't um, know that. I
0: thought thought it was all at the same time, but then again, I don't know the origins of the ECB and the euro. Well,
1: it's a lot harder to get people to go to the currency than to agree to uh, the idea of the European Union, right? So the idea of the European Union, (laughs) if we look at it. Yeah, yeah. Go figure, right? <laughs> that makes um, so much yeah, sense. yeah. So the uh, the EU started. I'm trying to. It depends on really what you look at, but there, there's the European mm-hmm. Coal and Steel Community of the 1950s, the European Economic Community, yep. in the, the Treaty of Paris, and the treaties of Rome in 51 and 57, respectively. And so these became the European communities. You also have the Cold War. So you have, this is mainly Western Europe. Or like, yeah. But what we saw is that the European now the European Union or the European zone is 27 countries yeah i want to say 19 of which 18. use the euro i'm pretty it sure is the official 18. currency of 19 of the 27 member states oh, okay okay well i guess you got me beat so then. so that's that was the great thing about the eurozone is that you could use euros mm-hmm. you can you can use euros anywhere there yeah. my understanding is you can use euros anywhere there and you can use dollars anywhere not, there too i mean like there's places in germany with that except the u.s dollar yeah they, well, okay. just, sit, they just sit there because they know what the relationship between the dollar and the euro yeah. is so they have the prices in different currencies I saw that when I was in Russia is that you'd have a price in rubles and a price in dollars and the price in dollars was less expensive but it's because they wanted the dollars right they wanted yeah. that they wanted, they wanted more dollars. a more stable yeah. currency
0: The business owners were, were uh, they were Forex traders as well but yeah I mean so that I mean I, I want to keep it moving but like so that happened you know, all of Europe decided to go by one currency, which
1: makes sense. I mean, it, In ninety-five, it, yeah. So most of the most of Europe decided ninety-five. Yeah, I mean, and, and it Euro. makes
0: sense for Europe because they're all really close to each other. Like, it's not like you know, yeah. Germans are German, and it's not like Californians are Californians and Arizonans and are Arizonans. Mm-hmm. I mean, they,
1: well, they speak a different language. Yeah, they're, and it's different. Language. In some cases, different ethnic groups, but yeah.
0: Whereas, like in California and Arizona, it's the same. Like. If you get along in California, you'll be just fine in Arizona. But the amount of
1: business they do with each other, they've been tied for so long with strong economic links that mm. business travel between them. You know, when you agree to a point where it's like, well, there's no point in checking passports between France and Germany or between France and Belgium. And yeah. it's just like I can go from one to the other without needing to show my paper, without needing to show a travel document. At that point, you've unified in such a way that you might as well share a common currency. Yeah. And so that's I mean, what they've done. because They just y- agreed to do that. There's
0: plenty of German cities that like are on the border that's like, you might as well, just live in France, right? You're so far away, you know, you're so far from away from the rest of Germany that you might as well. Yeah, just live when you get to the Alsace
1: Lorraine region, yeah, and it's, yeah, just, I mean, it's, 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 it's crossing just, into the other country. I mean, yeah, it might I mean, it's be- kind of like
0: if you live in Kansas City, it's like you could live in Missouri. Work in Kansas
1: if you live in Kansas City. Exactly. So exactly, and so that um, and at that point, it becomes a lot easier to have one solo solo currency, and to have and to have to have two different currencies in your wallet depending on where you are. Or God help you if you're getting paid in a French franc versus the uh, a Deutschmark. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah.
0: But. Bringing it back to Bretton Woods, I mean, what happened was they tried to have like one unified currency, but it wasn't like really unified. I mean, it wasn't like a unifying thing. I and mean, it wasn't like everybody was trading gold and that was it. It was every currency is pegged the dollar and then let's see what happens. But- it was too simple. Like it, like that. that's the problem with the Bretton Woods Agreement was that it was too simple. And then you fast forward to 1967, you know, I think a lot of gold was discovered. Something happened to the British pound, which led it to devalue about 14% in just one year. Yeah, the
1: British economy was in some trouble. Yeah. there was. It, it's a, only one country really came out of World War II and wasn't suffering and it was the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else had problems. Yeah. You saw the and- breakup of the British Empire. The end yep. of the war there was a lot of costs associated with everything and so you see a country that somebody that had historically had had access yeah. to the resources of a quarter of the globe and yeah. uh that's no longer yeah. so fact. you know and i think it
0: all caught up in 1967 and there weren't very many i mean it's like every country in the world participated in the Bretton Woods Agreement a lot of people were just like no is stupid well the thing is
1: they would have linked to the dollar right so it was just it was this yeah, concept yeah there were is also
0: it, other countries that just didn't
1: recognize that they were just like this is stupid well the Bretton Woods Agreement so, was between developed Western yeah it so between was between developed I mean, was European and American nations so it was essentially this idea well, that well I mean I, I don't know if Malaysia was in it or not but if they weren't in it well the, the, like, I think the real mm, problem as we look you know, at it was the fact that the dollar became fixed yeah and that was the um, that was to me that's the issue if they let the dollar I inflate think the it gold, too, but it's
0: also like Fluctuating economies, right? So, like, well, yeah. So, if all yes. of a sudden, for instance, just to make it easy, let's let's say the UK is famous for producing whiskey and nothing else. I'm not saying that is the case. Okay. Uh, take a shot if you're playing the analogy game, but let's just say the UK is only famous for producing whiskey. So, if that's the case, and all of a sudden a bunch of distilleries burn down, like that would cause a, you know, their economy would be in turmoil. So, if that were the case, it'd also drag pretty much everybody else down too if all these currencies are pegged together. But if they're not, if they're free-floating, which is what Nixon kind of took us out of. Or into. Or, or I guess into, yeah. Took us out of the gold standard and into that free-floating thing. Into a free it's float, It's like, you know yeah. what? These distilleries burning, which God, please don't let that ever happen. Like, please keep these distilleries safe. And well, amen. Amen. <laughs> but uh, if, if that were to happen, it wouldn't affect the U.S. dollar so much, you know, it's like it would all of a sudden cost $16 for a pound of steak or no pound of ground beef. No, but
1: even, but even then that wouldn't have affected things. All it would have affected, I mean, it might've affected it a little bit. So we went off the gold standard, which essentially we had Mm -hmm. the U.S. fixed, the U.S. currency was fixed to an amount of gold. And historic before that, what would happen is eventually when you had to make good your balance with another country, or if I did, essentially what happened is there's so many, Pounds sterling in the US On the US side of things That the US would send yeah, All of that users, pound sterling yeah. To the UK And the UK would send gold back yeah. is what would happen it was Essentially Oof, we were buying And yeah. selling gold As the base commodity The problem was That the US was fixed to it Now that we're a free float What happens is what affects the relationship between two currencies is uh, uh, trade between the two nations, demand, if there's tourism, right? So if there's a touristic demand for money between two nations, mm-hmm. interest rates in both nations, inflation in both nations, yeah. it's all these different factors play into it. In and so what that yeah. leads to is this, that, it's those effects now are what, are what cause yeah. fluctuations in currencies. So the, the easiest one or the biggest one of those is imports-exports, yeah. right? So import-exports from China now. Or, or let's just use Canada because we started with Canada. If yep. the U.S. imports $500 million worth of goods, that means the U.S. has to find $500 million dollars Canadian dollars. And, and if yeah. the U.S. went out the to exchange it from they have to
0: exchange it from American dollars. So what
1: they have to do ah, is they have I to- I don't necessarily. So here's the great thing. Okay. If the U.S. Is, by, is consuming $500 million of Canadian goods and Canada is consuming $500 million of U.S. goods, then we don't have to actually at that point. Because what's happening is now this also assumes is that a bar that,
0: or what, like what would no, that
1: be? It, it's overly simplified. But if we assume that there's two companies in Canada and two companies in the U S and those companies are buying the same amount from each other, right? So say company a in the U S and company a in Canada each buy $250 worth of goods from each other, $250 million worth of goods from each other. Yeah. Well, the Canadians sell me their goods for $250 million dollars. I buy them with U.S. or I buy them with Canadian dollars uh-huh. that I happen to have acquired earlier that I bought for U.S. dollars from Company that B. You also sold and they, goods, yeah. Right. So if if we're so if we have essentially a trade balance, what it boils down to is the fact that when it gets to the border, when the cash gets to the border, essentially assume all the traders are there, and one trader goes, "Okay, I need blank goods for blank much in your currency," mm-hmm. and they say, "Okay, here are the goods," and the guy at the border gives them currency, right? So it's, if, if you have a really close trade balance, you don't tend to see, you tend to see the the bills be very similar in price, but it's just because essentially if, if 500, if I need to, if I need to send 500 million us dollars to the UK to acquire the same number of pounds and the UK is sitting there and they need to send 500 in pounds to the us to acquire us currency. What will happen is there'll be a guy representative. There'll be a representative of each country on the other side yeah. in the opposite currency, going, "Hey, who's your guy, and how many pounds does he need?" Well, and the thing is, like, there's so many other countries
0: in at play here. So, like, if all of a sudden, oh yeah, all of a sudden the dollar decreases to the euro, but it's appreciating with the Japanese yen. It's like you know mm-hmm. th- that ultimately stabilizes the U.S. dollar across both currencies, just because it's. Just because of how liquid and how speculative. Oh, yeah. Uh, the and, 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 the, well, and the other
1: thing is uh, there might be a Japanese guy uh, or a representative of a Japanese company going, hey, I need U.S. dollars right now. Yeah. And so I'll give you, but I'll buy yen, them for yen. And the English guy in the U.K. business might going to be like, whoa, well, we actually really do need yen right now, too. So then bam, he would make that so, trade dollars for yen instead of dollars for pounds. Yeah. So I think the liquidity between the markets, I think, makes it a lot more
0: efficient. It makes it balance out even more. Absolutely makes it more efficient. There's still a lot of risk involved, right? I mean, the majority of people that conduct forex trades are, you know, businesses doing international business, right? So Diageo, they're trying to sell their scotch in the U.S., there needs to be some sort of foreign exchange. If they're worried about dollar tanking and value, they could buy some derivatives, right? So think about like options of derivatives. Yep. So they could buy derivatives and protect themselves from depreciation of the US dollar so they can protect the return on investment into the US markets. You know, we saw this happen in Australia back in 2014 when the USD to UAD was 1.1 and in 2019 it was uh one point two five, right? So if you invested into an Australian business with US dollars, you know, you would need a larger return in Australian dollars if you're gonna convert it back into US dollars. If that didn't make any sense to you, shoot me a DM. Let me know. Because I'll answer that question more specifically. I said I'm
1: gonna try what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get camera try and find a whiteboard and I'll I'll try and show how these relationships work a little bit better. Right. So I think we, I think a visual aid is kind of, is much more useful well, here. Yeah, and this can is, be.
0: you know, if you were to graph it out, like, and this is what I did in my international finance classes and international economics classes was, you know, we, we drew all these graphs and then, yeah. you know, the transaction between these two countries, how would, how would that affect the transaction between these two countries if these two countries in between did this? It sounds like it's way above your head,
1: but also I mean, it, it sounds like that, is, but it isn't. It, it's one of those things where there's a bunch of tiny factors. Yeah. And yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to try and make money doing this, it becomes very technical. Yeah. But as a um, whole to understand how this works is. Yeah. And maybe one day we'll get a forex trader on
0: here and that will describe, you know, how do you hedge yourself? How do you protect yourself against, uh, yeah, when, you, how know, how do you if against someone <laughs> is trying to sell scotch to uh, someone in the US and they're getting, they're receiving US dollars for that. Well, how do you protect yourself from devaluation? If you're scared of the devaluation of that US dollar, how do to protect yourself against that, I'm worth this yes. $100 is actually gonna be $98, right? Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's ways to do that. Um, it's all through derivatives. I don't know the details of it. I kind of do, but. But it's not, yeah. But it's
1: not a topic tonight. So it's- we talk a little bit about the shifters in Forex markets, because I said interest rates, price levels, and inflation, but we also have to do with taste preferences and then income between the two nations specifically. Yeah, taste and
0: preferences generally comes down to like, does everybody all of a sudden like scotch? Because if that's the case, Oh, yeah. Then, that's going to you know, drive the, up the value of the pound dollar, right? But the
1: dollar pound is going to be yeah, the dollar gets weaker, so, the pound would get stronger yeah. or, the, or the place exporting so, that good would have a stronger currency because yeah. they can gain more of yours for it. Yeah. And, you know,
0: that's what's important to me because I like scotch a lot. But, you know, if you think about like in the grand scheme of the economy, it's like, you know, the dollar yuan in China. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, my God, like if all of a sudden everybody. Wanting to do business with China because their manufacturing is so inexpensive. Well, that's going to make the manufacturing in China more expensive, which will drive up the dollar yuan. Or drive drive the yuan dollar, it would drive up I the guess. value
1: of the yuan and Vers- drive so the, down the, yuan dollar, yeah. the buying power of the dollar compared to the yuan. Yeah.
0: So the nice thing is, you know, for every time, you know, like if the dollar yuan uh, went down, that means the yuan dollar is going up. Yeah. You can simplify it that
1: way. Yeah. every um, t- So, yeah, it's a two-way street where so if the buying power of A increases, the buying power of B decreases. By exactly that amount. By, by, by exactly the proportional percentage. amount. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And the other
0: thing too is like, you know, we talked about price levels and inflation, interest rates, and now we've covered case preferences. But the last thing that really, really shifts to forex markets, our income levels in both countries. So, mm-hmm. if income across the board increases in America, then obviously, obviously, we can buy more more Chinese stuff. We can buy more English stuff, right? So that's buy more stuff, yeah, just stuff in general. So <laughs> in general, so that's yeah, that's really going to decrease the value, in my opinion. I think if income across the board in the U.S. goes up, that means price levels, inflation. I think it kind of ties into that. Um, I think that means inflation is going up in the U.S. So Americans are be willing to pay more for scotch, which well, they means- want to, well
1: what happens is they want to buy more scotch, which means that what happens is demand has increased, right? So in demand increases, but that supply go, of yeah. that foreign currency hasn't increased. What you'll see is in, in order to make that work you're going to have to see an increase in the price so what you see is yeah. the increase in the in the value of that foreign currency so a decrease essentially yeah. and that leads to a decrease in buying power yeah but think about it this way uh, like if
0: 10 million americans wanted to go vacation in the uk but only 1 million people in the uk wanted a vacation here in the us or maybe not even that because the uk overall population but let's just say 100,000 people in the uk wanted a vacation in the us there's going to be a lot more demand for that British pound and because of that there is for the dollars, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the same as if like if everybody wanted to drink scotch if everybody in the U.S. wanted to drink scotch but nobody in
1: the U.K. wanted to drink bourbon
0: <laughs> you the, price know? Of, the price of scotch <laughs> goes up the price of
1: bourbon does, does not, not go up, as much which I'm okay with that too <laughs> and then and see and then what and so this is when we get starting to get to like the second party effects of like when things like that start to happen when you see a currency become so expensive, then people in yep. the original country would stop consuming things. It becomes too expensive to buy. Yeah. And so then suddenly- So they get, the locals get priced out of that. The locals can get priced out of their own market is one. Yep. And two, you have people in the US who might sit here and say with the UK, well, actually now because of how, much, how expensive Scotch truly is, I'm going to drink bourbon. So demand suddenly then decreases. And that's where that's where a lot of this fluctuation comes from is you have like interest and suddenly the prices don't make sense anymore to be doing that. And then so instead of buying scotch from the UK, you're buying whiskey from India and Japan and Taiwan and and then and then suddenly well and then you see the value of the pound decrease, the value of the yen and and these other currencies shoot up and then the value yeah. of the dollar, hopefully staying somewhere somewhat balanced, but not always. Yeah, so Sorry. I mean, the thing is,
0: yeah, you're right. I mean, the thing is it does fluctuate, but it all generally comes back. It all circles around because of how liquid the global markets are. I mean, 6.6 trillion dollars. Yes. I mean, think about it, That's that's so much money and it's not all concentrated in just the US or just Europe or whatever it's all around the globe Correct. right so it's a good efficient market we need it to be liquid the reason why we need it to be liquid is because one it brings us all back to equilibrium but at the same time um it helps businesses and other companies hedge against downside losses exactly I, I, you well, know it's, i mean
1: it, what it boils down to is everyone's doing business with everyone and it's yep. if you think of currency as if you stop thinking of it as currency and you just think of it as a good yes, compared to go. another good and those two goods just happen to be the currencies by which you can buy something in a certain place, you have a value, you can create that value. You can, you can yeah. sit here and say, well, it's supply and demand. There's between an equilibrium. And, yeah, there's an equilibrium between these.
0: Exactly. Well, well said. Anyways, I'm all out of whiskey, so this is it for me. Yeah. yeah. All but right. that said, um, a couple fair. of things I just want to say, Joni, in our Discord channel, oh, yeah. uh, I just want to answer your question real quick hopefully you have stuck with us until the very end. But I just want to say real quick, um, my favorite book in economics is a book called Naked Economics. Um, I had to read it
1: for a class. I have kind of two that I want to throw out there. One, I think Aaron and I agreed on. We said misbehaving. Oh, yeah. The, the Richard, Taylor Taylor really awesome. so Richard Taylor book. That book was awesome. Richard yeah. Taylor. Yeah. That one's really, really good. The one I'm reading right now or or have been reading for a little bit, I'm actually in the middle of a, I'm sort of rereading the beginning because it's for me it's it's great but it's called This Time is Different 8 Centuries of Financial Folly and it's a uh, Carmen Reinhart and Kenneth Rogoff it was published and I want to say 2009 2010 so right after oh, right the yeah, crisis nice. but it's about it's about how how debt plays a part in oh, yeah. about how yeah, debt, and debt and leverage, leverage are, are yeah, affecting everything is... and how, and how essentially the, the mentality of people ascends to be, uh, well, this time is different at this time. It's going to be different. And the fact that it's, it's essentially, or we'll go back to normal or, you know, but, it's, yeah. uh, that, that's the thing with um, debt too. Is, you know. So those, those would be kind of like maybe the three that, that yeah. I really like, for, uh, two of those specifically for me for economics. Yeah. Um, if you want more about trading and finance, um, I don't really know what to tell you. Yeah, you know there's I mean? a few others a that are, are, that and are stuff, but good. Yeah. Um, for now, Flash Boys, which, Flash which Boys Aaron, is awesome. Aaron handed off to me. Yes. We did get a suggestion from one of our fellow it was for uh, what was that book? Uh, um, so yeah, if you keep yeah, it simple, uh, the deficit
0: myth. Yeah, keep it simple. Yeah, I read a little bit I of actually it. I haven't
1: read that book at all, but yeah, I appreciate. You I sharing haven't read. That. I have not read it, but I did read the the little promo stuff that like Amazon had, and it seemed interesting. I don't know if I'll. Like, I mean, I don't think I necessarily. I'm not a huge opponent of modern monetary theory, but yeah, I and know until you I go know like it. around the circle and find myself going, this makes a concerning amount of sense. <laughs> no, I need to stop <laughs> wow. that right now. Yes, yeah, and it's, you're,
0: it's, you're skeptical of almost everything, which I appreciate about you.
1: I kind of until am, Until I look at it and I go, which, you know, if this is right, it yes, does make perfect if, sense. Big if. if. <laughs> but, That's a big if. Yeah. yeah, there's a few others. I'll look through my, my shelf to see if there's some others that I think are fun, I'll throw those in the Discord. Yeah, and if you know any books for us, let us know. But
0: yeah, with that said, absolutely. you know where to find us on social media. Yeah, you know how to get we to the Discord. Have,
1: we also have Patreon, so. Yeah, so if you want to help us keep the... Uh, so if you want yeah. to keep the helps keep the lights on, the liquor cabinet full, go ahead and track us down at patreon.com/slashdrunkenomics. Uh, patreoncom uh, P-A-T-R-E-O. drunkenomics. There we go. Because yeah, we're also yeah. and oh wow, I, may, I should have said this earlier. I'm going to have to say this again on a few things, but we do have a new merch, uh, I about merch. merch location. Yeah. It's new. It's drunkenomics.myspreadshop.com Nice. To get to yeah. uh, to get some sweet uh, My some That's sweet good to know. merch. Yeah. So you two can hat, throw up your econopholic flag and let everyone know you're about. drugonomics tank top to the lake. Mm. How awesome is that? If you yeah. need sling dark to wear after Labor Day, just saying, guys. Wow, what's
0: what's after Labor Day?
1: We're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day. Oh, that's it. Well, that's the whole joke. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's okay if you didn't get it. Not bragging, just joking. <laughs> uh, Our less gracious host. I don't know. I had some. Of, I had. I had some of the best jokes possible tonight. It was you very funny. You, not bragging, just saying. You did. You yeah, had um, some great ones. You, you you were not bragging. You were only saying, and I. Appreciate that about you. I mean, I want to say I was definitely playing chess, not checkers, because I made some moves. So I. I made some yeah. moves with my horse pieces. Yeah. I was just horsing around. And I filled and killed. That's empty, as you heard. Good man. Well, so that brings us down to. Um, I really all that's left to say is uh... what's that called? I guess stay drunkenomical, my man. Cheers, my man. Did the glass survive? Did it very gently this time? <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, the glass survived. The it glass survived. Has survived.
0: A Huda Media Production.